to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Uh, today, what we're going to do on the podcast is, uh, today the Maple Leafs, after the season was over every year, everybody always kind of does their walk of shame, and they do their player meetings, and then they meet with uh, with the media. So that's what happened today. The Leafs uh, meeting with the media, you know, Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, um, Kellen Keefe, and then a, a lot of the star players also, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, uh, just to name a few, all meeting with the media today, answering all the questions that they had um, about what happened on the season, what happened in the playoffs, what's next, all of that. So um, I went through, I picked out uh, a lot of the good quotes that I think uh, that, that we got from Kyle Dubas and, and the rest of the crew, mainly Dubas, to be quite honest with you, because he's kind of the architect of the team. And uh, so I think that's a, a, a guy who we really want to hear from. Uh, so what I did was I, I, I scooped up all of the audio that I could find, and we're going to play it for you, and then I'm going to react. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and let's play this first clip here. And this one is going to be about the cap. Um, you know, we've got the restricted free agents in, um, in Dermot and Mikheyev. And then uh, so we'll, we'll get them taken care of um, using the mechanisms that the league provides for, for both and have discussions with their people. Um, and then with regards to the rest of the roster and, and the, and the cap Lance will, um, I think we've, we've got a lot of flexibility and various different things that we can do to continue to adjust and adapt and, and roll from there. But, um, you know, we do have some space, we can create some, some space in other ways as well. And, and, uh, we've, we'll, we'll be able to be flexible and it'll be on me to, to be creative and, and, uh, build that structure in a way that, that sets us up moving ahead. Okay, so a couple of things to unpack there. Uh, first and foremost, basically what he said was um, we've got all of our, our big guns already signed, and they just have a couple of RFAs that they need to get locked up, uh, being you know Dermot, Mikheyev, um, which leads me to believe that he's basically saying goodbye to Tyson Berry, saying goodbye to Cody Cece, and he's saying goodbye to Kyle Clifford. Um, that's... I mean, that's what I got out of that. Uh, I'm sure there was, you know, there was some other stuff that that was in there as well that they'll probably be saying goodbye to. But pretty much their main focus is now going to be turned into uh, seeing what they're going to end up doing with those with those players, the 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 RFAs. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting, they say that they have cap flexibility. Uh, I, where? Like, where's this cap flexibility, Dubis? Honestly, I, to me, this team, uh, there's quite a lot of um, quite a lot of guys who are making quite a bit of money, as we are all well aware. They don't have cap flexibility going forward unless they move one of these players. So I, I don't really understand where you're coming from when you're talking about all that. So... I don't know, unless there's something else going on here uh, that uh, that you got up your sleeve, which you possibly do because you're a pretty smart guy. I don't, I don't get that one. Um, but where did I see? I saw there was another one here. Yeah, I think this was it. This was a clip that really kind of signified to me that they won't be bringing back CC and Barry. So I'll play that one. Well, we're not up against the cap, contrary to everyone's uh, belief. Uh, we've got um, a little bit of space, and we've got guys to uh, – we've got 
restricted free agents only to to sign back. We've as has been much discussed. We've taken care of our our unrestricted our our, uh, our core parts previously. So. Yeah, so that was that was the clip from um, a little clip that I pulled out from that longer one from before, where literally said they got their their UFAs all locked up already, and right now they just have their RFAs to worry about. So I think we could say goodbye to uh, to Dermot or to uh, to CC to Barry and to Kyle Clifford. And keep in mind too, if you want to resign Clifford, it's actually going to cost the Leafs a third round pick to do so. So. I think you couple that with the fact that they just might not have the money to give a guy like Kyle Clifford. Um, I, I I just don't see him re-signing. I would like him to. I would love him to. I thought that he brought a lot of energy to this team um, when, when they needed it. When they finally started playing that fourth line uh, in the middle of that series against Columbus, he brought some energy, which was something that was desperately needed. So hopefully it's not the end, but uh, I could see... He's not going to be um, like they're definitely going to look to get their RFAs locked up first. He's Dubas is making that pretty darn clear. Okay, uh, let's see. There was another clip here that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, that kind of makes me think that he won't be trading the big four. So we had a big conversation about it. Um, earlier this week where I talked about if the the only way that they're going to land themselves their coveted right-shot defenseman, the number one D-man, whether it's through free agency or through trade, they're going to have to get rid of one of these contracts. And this quote basically screams, we're not doing it. We're sticking the course with these four guys. This is our core. We'll figure out a way to get it done. Um, and and I, I disagree with it. I think that in order to get yourselves one of those guys – you're going to have to move on from one of these. So uh, here, here's the quote there. When you look to our team or you look to other teams and various other sports, and I'm not going to name the teams and then have everybody say that we're comparing ourselves to those teams because uh, I think that's a fruitless exercise. Um, but there are lots of teams that go through significant ups and downs on their way to getting to where they all want to go. Okay, so here's what I <laughs> broke down from that one. When he's talking about how he's not going to compare himself to other teams because he finds it a fruitless exercise, I'm pretty sure where he's going with that one is we're not going to do what the Raptors did, right? I think everyone keeps saying who's going to be, you know, all the Toronto media at least keeps saying to themselves, all right, who's going to be the Leafs to Marta Rosen? Who can they go out and trade for that's going to make this team um, take the next step? And I think this is his way of saying that's not going to be our approach, because he doesn't want to get labeled with you know other teams and other leagues, aka the Raptors in the NBA. I, to me, that's exactly what that screams. I think it's hilarious. Um, so I, I think that that is going to be uh, a storyline that we're going to have to look for in the off season, uh, whether or not he decides to make a big move with one of those big four who are making seven plus million dollars. Uh, well. 6.9, I guess, technically is what Willie's making. But, you know, I, I still I still believe that one of those guys are going to have to go if this team wants to do anything because you can't have that much of your cap allocated up front and expect to win games. Freddie Anderson wasn't the problem in the playoffs. You know, he, he he's not. It does Was there a couple of goals that he needed to stop? For sure. But let's not kid ourselves. Let's not fool ourselves. This Leafs decor was piss poor for the most part. 
um, especially once Muzzin went down. Muzzin goes down. Justin Hall is no longer even a, a, a shell of himself through the rest of the series. You know, other than Morgan Riley, pff, the Leafs had nobody playing on their back end. You know, Dermott made some nice plays, uh, but for the most part, he, he also kind of turtled it a little bit when he got put up into the top four and got some extended minutes. So I just think that in order to take that next step, they really need to rework that back end, give Freddie something in front of him, and then they still have the horses to go out and score goals with Tavares, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. Or three out of the four, if that's the case. That's my quick two cents on that one. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a look at what he thinks about... I think I saw something. Yeah, there was one quote about his thoughts on the cap that's being invested into the big four and his philosophy on it. So why don't we go ahead, listen to that, and react to that one. Given the situation, Jonas, I think that it falls on me to continue to build around that group and, and uh, roll from roll from there with it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if the question is particularly about the depth, but if I look in our in our division, you know, in terms of outside of the top four uh, of that group, if you look at the other teams and the way that they're built, I know the rest of our lineup, I think, scored you know, between 90 and, and 100 goals if you limit those guys, which which is right behind what Tampa got outside their top four and, and well ahead of what Boston got outside of their top four highest paid guys. So um, I think that uh, you can verify that if you like, but I, I think that... Um, you know, we'll be we'll be fine with those guys because I know that they'll step up and produce, and it'll be on me to fill around the edges of it. So again, he's kind of laying the groundwork for rolling with these four guys again. You know, like you said, it well those guys are going to have to go out and produce, and it's going to be on me to do the edge work around it. That's that's what he said. That was the end of that clip. So. It, it, <laughs> I think it'd be a big mistake if if they went into next season with uh, with with this core group once again. Um, I, I I a lot of people think that you know the problem isn't up front. The problem is is just a mental thing, and these guys need to mentally get it done. Um, and and changing players isn't going to do anything until you change the philosophy within the team, within the lineup, within the coaching staff, all that stuff. And, you know, there's some merit to it, I think. I think there is because they've already made a coaching change, and and it was the same thing that happened this year that happened last year, the year before that, and the year before that. So, in a way, yes, there is definitely a much bigger philosophical thing that needs to change with this organization before I believe that they'll be able to do anything. So, you know, I I, I guess what I'm saying is trading one of those guys doesn't guarantee success at the end of the day. I just think that it would be better off to create more depth throughout your lineup and balance throughout your lineup. I think balance is key, and this team wasn't balanced enough. The depth wasn't there, although Dubas tried saying that they were, you know, up there with uh, with with Boston and 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 with Tampa, but 
Where were they in the playoffs when it mattered? I'll tell you where. They weren't. They did nothing. So, I don't know. I think uh, I think they're going to have to make a move. Okay, let's see what else we can play here. Maybe let's check out. Uh, let's let's see what these players are doing. No, oh, there was a clip about his lesson that he learned from the Tyson Berry trade. So let's take a listen to this clip and dissect this one because I think we can all all in agreement say that in hindsight that trade did not work out at all for Toronto. So let's see what he learned from that deal. When it comes to looking back on what could have been done better with Tyson, I think certainly uh, aiding him after knowing that you know he's played his whole career in one spot and had great success there. He's going into a contract year. He's coming uh, to a new situation, new conference. Um, I think the, the thing that's learned there is, is helping someone adjust a lot better and, and help them to be themselves much sooner. Um, you know, when, when making that trade, uh, he was he was not the only piece of, of it, and, and I, I would even say that the same would apply to, to Alex Kerfoot and his adjustment. So um, I, I don't think we helped those players adjust as as well as we could have from the outset, and that falls on uh, on me. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't at all. Um, I don't know. I never played in the NHL. Obviously, I've never had to switch conferences, but at the end of the day, it's hockey. Hockey's hockey. It's played the same way. No matter what, I, I really don't think there's that big of a of a difference between playing in the East and playing in the West. It's not like in baseball where you're playing in the NL and AL where there's literally a new strategy because you know you got a DH instead of a pitcher. It makes the game a little bit different. But here, it's the same. It's just different players in a different part of the country. It's that's it. The strategy is the same. The plays are the same. Your goal is the same. And he just struggled to 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 muster up anything this season. That trip is a big disappointment, but I wouldn't put that on on uh, on Kyle Dubas for not settling him in properly. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't buy the fact that he struggled because it was he he was coming cross conference and was maybe uncomfortable. Not buying it. I just think that. It was a huge whiff. He was a player that in Detroit um, racked up a whole bunch of points playing on uh, playing with Nathan McKinnon and just getting him the puck. And McKinnon went and scored a whole bunch of goals. Same with Rantanen, same with Landeskog. They had a, an unbelievable power play where he also racked up a lot of assists. And I think um, he was sheltered defensively with just a lot of offensive zone time. And that team had a lot of ozone time. And he had a good partner. He didn't really have a partner that he was playing with this year that he was able to mesh and gel with, and he got exposed. Not putting that on Dubas, so I'm going to put that on Tyson Berry. He's a grown-ass man. You got traded. You had a full—it's not like you were traded midseason, too. He was traded early in the summer. I think it was July 1. So he had an entire summer to get himself acquainted with his teammates, acquainted with the city of Toronto. So I, I I don't buy that one. Same for Kerfoot. Don't buy it. Not one bit. Uh, all right. Let's move on. Let's let's listen to uh, to some other stuff. Let's listen to Austin Matthews on the disappointment of this season uh, in his eyes. You know, having a good 
regular season um really isn't cutting it anymore we got to obviously figure out this uh you know figure out the, the playoffs and, and figure out how to get out of this first round um i think four years in a row is, is obviously pretty frustrating and um you know a little bit embarrassing as well that uh with the talent we have on this team that you know we haven't really been able to pull through but bingo bingo mr matthews and i'm glad you're eating a nice helping of humble pie right now because you're right winning in the regular season at this point means nothing you guys have had four years in a row where you guys have had good winning seasons and at the end of the day that's what's expected of you when you're a team that's spending up to the cap like this, you've got the talent that you have on your team. You're expected to win games, get yourselves into the playoffs. You're expected to win in the playoffs. There was high expectations for this team going into the season, and they were failed. They were not met. There was a lot, a lot that was left on the table and left to be desired, and I'm glad that you see that. He's a leader on this team. He's got an A. There was conversation about whether or not he should have been given the C. If you recall our conversations back in uh, back in September and October where we weren't too sure who was going to get the captain. Was it going to be him? Was it going to be Riley? Was it going to be Tavares? Obviously, uh, going with Johnny T, and I think that is uh, that was the right call. And we'll, we've got some, uh, some stuff from Tavares as well that we might play. But I like, I like what I hear out of Matthews. And it's 100% true. I just hope that he takes this to heart and going forward into next season once the playoffs roll around again, assuming they get to the playoffs, that is. um, I hope that he takes his own advice and he starts to perform here in the playoffs. That being said, that's unfair of me to say because I think Matthews is one of the only players who actually played um, games one through five, uh, who actually played every single game as hard as he could. He was the, the best player out on the ice, one through five. Easy, easy peasy. I'll make that argument all day long. So it's a little unfair to say for him, but for everyone else, wake up. Once the playoffs get going, you got to get going. You can't have another first-round exit next year. Can't happen. Or else those four guys, you better believe it that they're going to be split up. They might get one more year out of this. One more season to prove that they can win their way with this core. And if it doesn't happen, someone might have to get moved. Bring in a different type of culture. That player who gets brought up over the last few days has been Mitch Marner. And this is what he had to say about his playoff performance. Um, I felt like I was getting better throughout every game. Um, felt like uh, the first game I wasn't engaged at all in physicalness or play at all um and then from that point on i felt like i got a lot more engaged a lot more on the puck um kind of playing as my old self with uh controlling the puck and, and making plays and um you know i thought uh kind of special team wise i thought our team actually did a great job um healthy killing um we didn't give up a lot of chances really and um i don't think they did get a power play goal they maybe got a one but um i thought our pk did a great job there with how we're moving and stuff like that but um, I mean, obviously, uh, my God is trying to get more pucks on net, you know, try and result more goals. And, um, you know, I don't think uh, zero goals is going to do the job. So that's the thing that I'm frustrated about. But um, like I said, I thought I kept getting better throughout the games. And 
got more comfortable with it as it went on. Yeah, I can agree. He definitely got better as as the series went on. Uh, he was awful in game one, just downright flat-out awful. Played better in game two, three, four, five, but still not quite where he needed to be. He didn't play like an $11 million player. Zero goals. Zero. Can't have that when you're being paid the way that you are. Sorry. Glad that he saw that he you know, needs to step up his game. Uh, but I don't know. Marner's got to have a good season next year or else there will be a lot of scrutiny going his way next year. What else do we have here? This one's interesting. So this is Jake Muzzin uh, on something that he believes needs to change. And it may not have to do with the roster, but it has to do with a, a, a mental makeup. Keep in mind, Jake Muzzin's a guy who's won a couple of cups. He knows what it takes to win. He's been around winners. Let's hear what Jake Muzzin had to say. This group needs to, to dig in more. And yeah, we have lots of skill and talent and speed, but when it comes to the, in the playoff hockey, it's just, you know, the will to win has to be a little bit, has to burn a little hotter, you know what I mean, compared to the other stuff. And um, once we find that, then it'd be dangerous. Yeah, I would totally agree with that one. That's pretty much what I've been saying. It's not in their DNA yet. I don't know if it ever will be. I hope so. But the way that this team is constructed currently, uh, winning in the playoffs is not in their DNA. Uh, Jake Muzzin coming from a team that's won. He knows what it takes to win, and he clearly is looking around the locker room, looking around the dressing room, and he's seeing guys hold their head down, and he's not seeing 100% effort out there. And this is a player who wasn't on the bench. He missed those three games with the injury. And they were just playing differently. You could see it. Like game two, he was phenomenal. You know, a couple of them thought that that game two performance was probably the best that they played all season. I think it was. Certainly the best game of the playoffs. That's no, that's no doubt. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just, when he went down... Something changed in that team. And I think it's because he just, he wasn't out on the ice to to bring them back after a bad goal or a bad play or when they were trailing or just when their, their game was in a little bit of a funk. You know, I think his veteran presence was missed a lot more than we expected it to be missed. And I'm only realizing this now. Because you could tell, based on that quote, based on on what he was saying there, he doesn't think this team has the will to win. You know, winning is not everything for this team, according to him. You know, he saw that in players like Doughty. He saw that in guys like Anze Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Kyle Clifford, former teammate with him in the Kings. He was out there with them at least. And you could tell Clifford whenever he was out there on the ice, he was out there with a purpose. Marner, not so much a purpose every time he was out there. Same with Kapanen. Mikheyev went silent. You know, there's a lot of guys up and down that lineup who just didn't, it didn't feel like they were playing their hearts out. And that's what you need to do to win in the playoffs. There's got to be a will to win. And just like Muzzin said, wasn't hot enough. That was a great quote. 
And Morgan Riley kind of shared very similar sentiments himself, too. So it's not just Muzzin. You know, the rest of them see it as well. And, and, and you couple that with what Matthews was talking about earlier as well, talking about how, you know, it's, it's, it's no longer enough to, to have a good regular season if it's followed up with a first-round exit and a poor performance. What does that regular season mean anyways? They've got to want to win the last game of the season. I think we had time for one more clip, and this one's a good one. <laughs> this one is from Zach Hyman. Grew up a Toronto boy, ended up getting traded here for Greg McKegg, worked his way up from the minors all the way to the NHL, up on their top line. So this is a Toronto kid, grew up bleeding the white and blue, and uh, and it hurts him as much as it's hurting us to see the Leafs disappoint the fan base on a yearly basis. And you could tell based on what he's talking about here. So I'm going to play that clip, and we'll talk about it on the other side. I'm, I'm frustrated. I think everybody's frustrated. Our team's frustrated. We're not happy with the result. So I understand um, where fans are coming from. I grew up a fan, like you said. You know, I, I know what it means to care for the Toronto Maple Leafs, to bleed uh, blue and white, and uh, I understand that. And, um, you know, I, I get it. I get it. It sucks. And we're building towards you know, being in a position where it's going to stop sucking and we're going to, you know, be able to win rounds and be able to put ourselves in a position to to make a run uh, and to win. I think that's the goal. Um, but, you know, in the short term, it's good. It sucks and it's going to suck for a long time. Uh, you know, I think about the loss in the series, you know, constantly and it's uh, it's very frustrating. Yep, it certainly is frustrating. And, uh, you know, as a former Leafs fan that Zach Hyman was and now currently playing for the Maple Leafs, he's he's seen his fair share of heartbreaks in the past, and now he's a part of them, which is interesting when you kind of look at that look at it that way. You know, now he knows what it felt like to be Darcy Tucker, Ty Domi, Dougie Gilmore. You know, those guys who went out and just couldn't get it done. And now he is one of the people on this team who just aren't getting it done not that he's not getting it done because he's he he had an incredible season and even Hyman like he played fantastic if it wasn't for Hyman that thing was over in game four you know the way that he played in those last few minutes in that game four epic comeback there's no way that the Maple Leafs even stretch it to five games without Zach Hyman let alone the fact that he actually scored the game tying goal but just his overall play in general getting the puck, you know, like this guy, he's a heart and soul player. You want a bunch of Hymans on your team. And the fact that he's also turned into a bit of a scorer is big too. You know, 20 goals this year. I think at 2021, I think, in a shortened season. So if you can count on Zach Hyman, plus he missed the first six weeks with an ACL injury. So if you can count on Zach Hyman going forward with 25 goals, I like it. I like that a lot. Makes one of the other uh, need, makes one of those other wingers expendable, if you ask me. Whether it be Matthews, or uh, uh, sorry, whether it be Nylander or Marner. But I liked I liked the fact that he came out and he said it sucks. He knows how it feels because he's been there. 
And now the shoe's on the other foot. And now he's the one who's disappointing fans, and he knows how they feel, and it's hurting him. He knows how much that it's going to sting us. And he wants to change that. I hope he can change that. He's going into a contract year. That is going to be interesting because however, you know, Dubas wants to spin it, they do not have a lot of cap going forward at all. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, he's he's a player who's due for a pretty big pay raise. So next season, we'll see what he can do. I'm hoping that he has a pretty good year. And then we can talk about the contract afterwards. But, you know, imagine they go out and they actually have playoff success and Zach Hyman's a big part of that. It's going to be tough to keep him around unless he takes a pretty big discount. But he's a guy who I can see who who would do that. A Toronto kid, super happy to be playing for his hometown team. You know, if they get past the first round and go on a little bit of a run, finally have that success, you know, you could say that the, the monkey's off the back, the pressure's kind of off, and then they've set a new bar. I'm excited. I'm happy that it seems like this loss um, was was humbling for them. I hope I'm not just, you know, they're not just blowing smoke and, and they actually, you know, understand that what they did um, this season was was unacceptable and they need to play a different way next year. They got to give more heart. They got to play harder. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms. And receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts chat about the ongoings all around the National Hockey League. It's a pretty fun uh, podcast, so definitely go check it out. I'll have another podcast for you tomorrow. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.